Today, I had the opportunity of speaking with Raj Sharma, currently the CEO of HealthWiz. Raj has spent a lot of time working on technology. He's been in the industry for quite a while now, spent some time in marketing. He actually has an MBA from Stern uh, School of Business, NYU, and also has an electrical engineering degree from Stevens Institute of Technology and Master's in Computer Science. So we kind of talked about what are the challenges going on, and I thought he was a great, great uh, person to speak with because of all the experience he's had over the years, and I really hope you guys enjoy the show, and thank you for tuning in for this first episode. I think it's going to be a really fun uh, time, and let me know what you guys think. I really would appreciate your feedback. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm your host, Ray Dogan, and welcome to Health Unchained. On this show, I'll be speaking with healthcare entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and executives who are using blockchain technologies to revolutionize healthcare. These innovators are building the distributed infrastructure and diverse communities required for a trusted, secure, and decentralized healthcare ecosystem. Enjoy the show. What is blockchain? blockchain. What is blockchain? The doctor will see you now. So today we have Raj Sharma. He is the founder of HealthWiz. HealthWiz is building this blockchain community, this blockchain system that allows for medical records to be owned by the patient and then able to communicate and interoperate with different health systems. How would you explain it, Raj? And welcome to the show. Yeah, so my name is Raj Sharma. I'm a co-founder and CEO of HealthWiz. And uh, as you mentioned, we have a, a mobile application platform and one of the things that it does is helps users aggregate their medical records on their mobile phones. And um, essentially the app goes out and, and pulls down information from different sources, your medical information from different sources. So you can think of it as an electronic file cabinet for your, um, you know, for your health records on your phone. And it is with you wherever you go, regardless of whether you have internet access or not, you'll be able to access it you'll be able to show it to people who, you know, are providing you care in emergency situations. So that's the, that's the idea behind the, uh, the uh, electronic file cabinet on your, on your phone. And then, you know, once, once you have those records and there are different possibilities in terms of what you can do with those, and, and we'll talk about that as well. Right. So, I mean, I think that a lot of people get the idea of how that can work. You know, they, there are current electronic health systems, health record systems that are, for example, Epic and Athena Health, and these companies are trying to build, um, you know, these, as you said, health records. But it's not cent- It is centralized, rather, as opposed to what you're trying to do. Can you talk about a little bit about how and what's different than what you're, what's different with what you're doing compared to what they're doing? So, so electronic health records are really systems, really big systems, server-based systems that hospitals own and deploy. And they really hold electronic medical records for thousands of people, patients. What we're talking about here is is very, very personal. So it's really a personal health record for the individual that's uh, on their phones. And and so it's, um, it's related to an electronic health record system in the sense that the information that you find on an electronic health record system for an individual is replicated on that person's uh, mobile phone in the uh, in the as a PHR, a personal health record. But um, other than other than that, the similarity ends. In, in fact, uh, you know, the idea is that once an individual gets hold of her medical records, then they become her property and. and you know, she can do what she wants with it. The electronic health record systems that we find in hospitals are really the property of hospitals. And, and they, you know, they are custodians of, of your health records, but really they have the, uh, the ownership rights because um, you know, they essentially either had doctors generate those records or lab, labs that generated those reports. So really it's the property of the uh, Anything that's in the electronic health record system is the property of the hospital. Anything that's uh, on your phone as your personal health record, even though it may be a, a copy of what's on the electronic health record, belongs to you. 
And what would you say is the benefit of the health system or hospitals owning that record? I mean, explain that to me. And then explain how giving the ownership back to the individual, why would they want to do that? The hospitals, uh, the, the benefit is that um, the, the hospitals generate those, those records, either you know, they are essentially doctors, opinions, evaluations, uh, lab reports, lab test results. So by default, you know, the hospital has them, stores them, and owns them. As far as benefits are concerned, the, um, it's, it's a little hard to, to justify the benefits of hospital owning your record, other than the fact that they've always done that way. Well, one I thing I can, hard. sorry to interrupt, yeah, but sorry. one thing I thought of is they can actually, by having your information, you're almost, not forced, but it's much easier to go back to that health system to get other services. So it kind of creates this stickiness factor with your current doctor. So it's hard to go to a different one. For example, let's say I wanted to go to a, a different dentist and now I wanted to take some of my old records over, you know, depending on the clinic, I might have to pay a fee in order to get those x-rays or historic information, medical information to my new provider. And I think that's changing slightly and people are giving away you know, this data to their new providers for free so that those transact those fees of taking that data is going away, but it's still not an easy process and often takes paperwork. And That's true. The, the, the hospital, so the benefit really is for the hospital because they, you know, stickiness is for, for the hospital, but it actually restricts and limits what a, what a patient can do or what a user can do. Right. And so that's, that's what, what changes that whole paradigm is when people start owning their their health records, and even if it's a copy of what's on the electronic health record, just it's not like an exclusive uh, information that the user has, but it's really a copy of what's uh, available on the hospital system. But even then, it gives so much power to to you as the individual because now you're not again not paying those thirty five dollars or twenty five dollars that you would have to pay to transfer your records from the hospital to the specialist that you're going to see just because that specialist doesn't belong to the healthcare system, right? So clearly, um, those are those benefits are there. But but even, um, you know, in cases of emergency or if you move from one place to the other, the fact that you essentially carry all your health records with you it is, is a tremendous benefit for the, for the user and the individual. But you're right. You know, the electronic health records, essentially all the benefits are skewed towards the, towards the hospital because they can keep you in the system. It provides stickiness, uh, but it essentially limits and constrains the user. So what you said, I thought that was interesting there, was it's actually a copy of the data, right? And it's not the actual uh, original data or the verified truth. Now, I kind of want you to explain a little bit about how blockchain can change that dynamic with the relationship between a patient and a provider yeah so you know one of the things one of the one of the um, qualities of blockchain that attracted us in the first place was um, this the fact that you can actually verify provenance of information so when a patient um, downloads a copy of her medical records from the hospital system that event along with the information that was downloaded, could be logged into a blockchain, into the blockchain ledger. So, and, and then you take the hash of that information and also put it on the blockchain. So you don't put the entire medical record, it would be too expensive, the performance would, would not be that good. So you, you take a hash, you, you put it on the blockchain. And then if you want to verify the provenance of that, that you know, so that you can you can verify that the, the copy that the, that the patient has is a, is a copy that the patient downloaded from the hospital system. That's a ledger entry that you can go back and verify at any time. So that's one of the things that attracted us to blockchain in the first place was this ability to, to, to verify the provenance of the information. Now, if the, you know, the assumption here is, and I think it's a pretty good and valid assumption, that when the hospital generated that data, that's the source of truth. Because, you know, the doctor or the physician or the nurse or whoever it is who documented that information, you know, did it 
and that's the source of truth. And that's what was transmitted from the hospital system to the person's mobile phone. And, you know, if after that, if for some reason um, that information is tampered with, then that, that you know, you, you, you'd be able to detect that on the blockchain, that you know, this is not the information that was copied from the hospital system. It has been tampered with, it has been changed. So that's, you know, and again, so when, when, when the user tries to use that information and goes and sees another hospital or another doctor, it is, you know, essentially, um, you can prove that this information came from the hospital. And it is, and it is, you know, yeah, it came from a valid source, and it it wasn't tampered with, which would give, you know, the the subsequent care providers confidence in that the information is actually what was in the hospital system. So, not only has someone tampered with the record potentially, but is it also possible to know if anyone's ever accessed the information as well? So, you have oftentimes in a hospital system there are staff. Uh, there are people coming in and out. Multiple doctors might see you, specialists. And you want to be able to know who's looking at your information or at least be able to give the permission to the right people and not just let trust the entire organization to self-regulate. You know, we have HIPAA law, but that can only go so far in terms of technologically speaking, it can only go so far. I think blockchain might potentially actually improve how we deal with HIPAA law. Uh, so do you have any thoughts around how, you know, regulation is coming into play or what you've seen uh, have you, as you've talked to new people in the industry? Yeah, so what you just described Ray, is really um, if, if the copy that the hospital has, you know, let's say that's the original copy. And if you wanted to know whom it is being shared with, then essentially the hospital system would have to become part of the blockchain. And so where health is comes from today is that we are going to sort of do a backdoor entry into the hospital system through the user. So even if the hospital systems never get onto blockchain, we, we want you know the users to obtain a copy of their medical records and then let them decide if they want to share it with someone and when they do share it with someone that gets recorded on blockchain but as far as the original copy that is in the hospital system for that you, you know if you want to know who has accessed it and, and 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 for what reason the hospital system has to be on blockchain which we think today is um is a few years away just because you know hospitals have enough problems mm-hmm. keeping their firewalls intact in, in and, and secure uh, because, and you can see that in all the data pieces that are happening across the hospital so I, you know I, I when I talk to the CIOs of hospitals you know they, they are not they're not willing to jump into yet another technology which you know they don't understand and it could potentially have huge implications when they start putting information that belongs to to patients on a blockchain so I think there are lots of questions to be addressed before hospitals will start, uh, you know, connecting to blockchains. So we are, you know, we, we wanted this to happen way before hospitals, you know, get their hands around this, right? So we, we said, let's get a copy of this into the individual's hands. And we will record that, that transaction and, and, and because we want to verify provenance. But after that, you know, it's up to the user who they want to share it with. You know, uh, again, because they, it's, it's their, their data and their own. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, there, it's going to take a while for these hospitals to really realize um, the value that blockchain has because they're so constrained with regulation and also just it's a 24-7 job, you know, running a hospital. So it's difficult to just bring in new technology. Even in, in my experience uh, working in the telehealth field, you know, telehealth has been around for a while now, but it still takes time and explanation about where the value truly is and i think as the technology develops and gets better it's going to become an easier easier adoption people will start to understand that it's not just about saving per cost you're going to have a more value-based experience for the individual 
and they're going to be getting treated for less serious conditions because they'll be treated early on. The other question I had for you actually was around HealthWiz, your company. Can you tell us when it started? Also, what is OMCoin? I was reading your white paper and OMCoin is the token that you guys are planning to use to kind of facilitate transactions in your in your platform. So if you can talk about that a little bit. Sure. So HealthWiz actually came about um, by merging two companies. Uh, our CTO, Sirish Bajpai and I, founded a company called uh, Create IoT. And we were initially looking at uh, wearables and then getting the data from wearables onto a mobile application. And then we started looking at um, blockchain because we wanted to uh, take this wearable data and make it uh, make it shareable on, on blockchain. And then we realized that that's, that's you know, good, but, you know, wearable data is just one of the pieces of, you know, someone's health and someone's sort of digital health identity. So we um, we merged with another company. That company was called HealthWiz, and it was running, uh, it was run by a friend of ours. And what he had done was build an application that was uh, focused on wellness, both mental and physical wellness, but it, it depended on data coming from the environment, coming from wearables and coming from health records. And so when we put the two together, it just you know made a lot of sense to have not only um, the, uh, environment, the uh, wearable data, but also the environmental data, also the health records. So it became a, a much more comprehensive application when we put the two together. So that was, that was, that was one of the reasons why, why we did that. And, um, as far as, um, so, and, you know, we started looking at, uh, different ways where, where, how we can essentially take someone's health records and then use blockchain to, to securely share it with uh, another party. And, and we wrote a white paper and this was, you know, before the white paper that you saw on the website, where it was a simple thing about a patient going to see another doctor and then being able to share uh, the medical records uh, from their from their uh, mobile phones. And how do you use blockchain with that? We presented uh, this paper at um, at one of the conferences that that the Department of Health and Human Services had organized. And then, um, you know, after that, we we started looking at how do we fund this enterprise? How do we, uh, you know, how do we uh, build out the platform? And, and so that's when we had the white paper and, and, and started talking about OwnCoin. Now, you know, OwnCoin may have a different name uh, because of all the things that are going on with uh, Security and Exchange Commission. So we have, we have um, adjusted our fundraising strategy quite a bit actually. Uh, but we do know one thing that um, we want to use Ethereum blockchain, which is a public blockchain, and we want to use that. Um, and, and, and under the control of the user, we want the user to be able to essentially trade their medical records, so share their medical records as well as trade them uh, for a reward. And, and we think that that reward uh, has to come in, uh, come in the form of a digital token. And so, um, I'll, I'll just call it a, a digital token for now and, and not OmCoin because uh, OmCoin really, as, as it is mentioned in the white paper, is, a, is an investment uh, token or a securities token. Uh, we wanted to, we, are, we, we now are at a point where we are going to, to separate a security token from what a reward token uh, would do for the user. So, so that's what you know, we are focusing on right now is how does a user not only get in control of her health, her mental, physical health, as well as her um, clinical data, her genetic data, her environmental data, and then be in a position to share that data and trade that data with other people on this public Ethereum blockchain. And, and in certain cases where the uh, other party that is looking for data is willing to pay for it. Then how do you know how does that transaction happen where the user actually gets rewarded for her data? It does. It doesn't have to happen in all the cases, but there are cases where somebody is looking for data, somebody is willing to share that data, and there is a smart contract that gets executed between two parties where 
you know, patient A sends data to, 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 to um, pharmaceutical company B, and then B sends a reward uh, back. So that's the structure of the token. And you know, happy to go in more detail because there's a lot more to that than what I just said. But you know, that's the sort of the origin of health is, and that's um, that's what the, the token is really meant for. Right now, that's a good explanation. I understand how difficult it is um, to figure out the right structure, especially at this time when everyone is kind of unsure of the the, the regulatory environment. Uh, it's kind of changing. I know. Uh, I think next week there'll be a vote on Ethereum, uh, whether or not it was a security or not. I think that's happening. Uh, I think Monday, right? Tomorrow is that the May May seventh? Um, so we'll see how that goes, but. Another question I had, actually. So, aside from financial security exchanges, what are some of the difficult challenges that you face that relate directly to the healthcare industry? So, healthcare, you know, is uh, is obviously a very complex environment, especially in the United States. I'm pretty sure all across the world, but you know, in the United States, is it's extremely complex, and and I, I don't think people. Um, there are lots of things that that we as a company need to do to raise the awareness uh, from a from a consumer side and, and potentially even from from the care provider side and maybe even the payer side, the insurance companies. So you know, I'll start with the consumer. I think uh, most of the people don't realize the kind of rights they have to their medical information, and and because they are not aware. And also, in a lot of cases, people don't want to bother with their own health records. They, you know, it's traditionally the hospitals and the doctors have taken on the responsibility of being in custodian of, of their health records. And it's really convenient because then I, as a user, don't have to worry about it. And, and so a lot of people are, are, are in that mode where they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to bother with it. And, and you know what they're missing out on is the fact that they have rights. They can you know um, not only get a copy of the medical records, and and but once they have it, you know it is under their ownership, under their their uh, custody. They can do what they want with it. Um, and and there is a real um, opportunity here to treat uh, these health records as digital asset, right? That you it's valuable. It has value to it, and there are people who are willing to pay for that digital asset. And, you know, given today's, you know, blockchain technology and other advancements, you can actually do it in a safe and secure manner. Um, so these are clearly, you know, huge sort of uh, education and awareness um, hurdles that we as a company have to overcome. Uh, and, and also um, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the industry has evolved in a way where there has been no incentive for the hospitals and the electronic health record software to really make this data available to the patients. Um, you know, there has really been no motivation and no incentive. So when um, the High Tech Act came about uh, under, under, under the Obama administration, people opened up the electronic health records by providing patient portals so people can log in um, into the doctor's office or into their hospital and then download these their medical records. They were able to do that, uh, but the user interface for these patient portals was so poor that even if people tried it once, they never went back and did it again. So um, reluctantly, because of the uh, high tech act and because of the mandates, the hospitals sort of, you know, opened up the electronic health records so that people can download their records, but it, they didn't make it easy. Uh, and, and if you look at the, and, and we have looked at several of these patient portals and the user interfaces, and they really suck. I mean, they, <laughs> you would think that these patient portals were designed back in 2005 or 2000, you know, or maybe even in the last century, even that, that poor when it comes to user interface. So it's very difficult for people to, to really, um, access their medical records and download them. And so um, that's that was a big challenge. And and now um, we, we see some 
you know, signs of, you know, hope here where, you know, the CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services has come out and said that if you are, you as a hospital or a doctor are being reimbursed from CMS, then you will make it possible for users to access their medical records using applications of their choice and using ABIs, you know, application programming interfaces. And that was supposed to originally happen in 2018, but it has been delayed to 2019. But mm -hmm. they're pretty serious about it. So, you know, come 2019, January, we think that hospitals and doctors' offices will start providing uh, user, uh, not user interfaces, but API access so that people can download their medical records. Now, this provides a tremendous opportunity for companies like HealthWiz because now you can create a, a really user-friendly mobile application. In the back, we can use APIs and get access to the medical records and download them on the phone without the user having to navigate through you know, really hard-to-use patient portals. So I think this is a big deal. Um, and, and so this was not the case before. It was one of the challenges. But when CMS came out with this announcement, you know, we all jump with joy because this is really, really going to open up um, the electronic health record system. And it's a mandate. And it's also part of 21st Century Cures Act, which was passed in 2016 uh, by both houses of Congress, majority. And, and that, so, so that's a mandate as well. And that's being enforced in 2019. So this is, that, that's, that's going to really open up a lot of things. And, and you see companies, big companies like Apple, Kind of leading the charge here where they were now i think they're doing uh testing with over 30 hospitals um with their application the health uh, health kit application so right. the patients can download um, so these were big hurdles but i think they're starting to to come down i mean i can i can right. go on there are, there are no, as well but, yeah um, I th yeah no uh, that's you make some good points one thing you said about how um you know or at least one thing i was thinking about was this new blockchain kind of environment or communities that are being built, one good thing, one great thing about it is how a lot of these projects are open source. So there is a lot of this, anyone can kind of connect, find an API, use it, pull some data that they need, pull the right data, not everything, and uh, it's open and it's easy to access and it's encouraged because if you're using some of the data of one platform, you're actually building out its own network effects as well as your own. So there's this community building that I think that, you know, a decade ago we just didn't have or people weren't really keen to that kind of ecosystem. We were more, let's keep the data so we have all the data and we'll have this uh, power. But I think that's changing. And, you know, just in the last few years, there have been so many, you know, blockchain companies, organizations, even a lot in healthcare as well. And my question to you is, how does HealthWiz differ from some of the other companies that are doing this on the blockchain? So most of the companies that we have looked at who are in healthcare and blockchain have this model where they expect the, the hospitals and the insurance companies to become part of a, either a consortium or, or some kind of a semi-private blockchain. And you know, we haven't taken a different route in the sense that if that happens, that's great. You know, we will plug into that blockchain as well. But you know, because it's being that blockchain exists or the consortium exists between hospitals and, and payers, and, and you know, it's it's really a sort of a closed system, not necessarily open to, to patients and consumers. And so we have taken a very different approach and said, well, if that happens, that's great. We will plug into that. But let's start with the, uh, the patients or the consumers first. You know, let's, um, let's uh, get them on a public blockchain. Not their data, but let's get them on the public uh, blockchain, you know, conducting transactions. And, you know, we'll, we will transfer data on another chain, a side chain for security reasons. You don't want to put it on a block on a public blockchain. And so that's that's fundamentally different about what we do, which is that you know, we are starting with the end user as opposed to starting with providers. Now, you know, I understand why everybody wants to 
go and sell something to the providers or insurance companies because that's where the money is. You can't really make money, um, you know, from consumers and patients. Nobody's going to pay anything. So, you know, when our mobile application, for example, is available, you know, to download for free, we never will we'll never charge a single penny for for our application. So, for for a lot of companies, you know, they 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 don't want to do anything that doesn't have a business model or a or a you know path to revenue already you know already in place. So, so that's what is really different about us is that you know we we know that we have uh, a chicken a classic chicken and egg problem, which right. is that we first need to have users in order for people who are going to be interested in doing either analytics or machine learning or AI who want data, uh, and and that data has to come from users. So the users have to be there in the first place. That's where we are starting now. Could you potentially start with hospitals and get to the data? But but you know it's a really tough tough sell to the hospitals. I mean they you know you are now asking them to not only adopt a new technology, uh, explain all the risks uh, that go with uh, either putting data on a private blockchain. Um, you know when they're dealing with other security and uh, issues, uh, it's you know we think it's a it's possible. It's a longer road. And, and that's why we have chosen to start with the consumers and patients as opposed to uh, institutions. Yeah, I think that's uh, a good move. In my opinion, it would just be faster, in my opinion, to get these people um, because it affects them immediately as opposed to, you know, the leaders of healthcare organizations. It might take a little bit longer because they have to, as you said, analyze the risks and make these decisions. But if I'm getting value immediately from an app, and where can people download like this app? Is it available now? HealthWiz. So we we, we have a version of it down uh, available now, but it doesn't have a lot of the capabilities that we, in fact, talked about in this in this call. So um, the uh, the version of uh, the application that has a wallet for holding your tokens and, and, and to connect to a Ethereum you know, blockchain. That's coming out in the um, first week of June. So we're gonna we're gonna launch this application in the first week of June. It'll be available on both App Store as well as Google Play. And you know, besides the fact that it has a digital wallet to hold your tokens, uh, it has the capability to um, uh, of course uh, hold your medical records right there on your phone. And um, it also has the capability to um, take a take a snapshot of your physical and mental health and can keep track of it. So you, you have a score and the data could come from wearables. It could come from the medical records that you have downloaded. It could come from the environment. It could come from a, a DNA test that you might have ordered, right? And then you also have the ability to form um, circles and, and, and campaigns so that you can start interacting with other you know friends and family on a health level so for example you know in, in, a, in an office if 50 people get together and say okay uh, we're gonna you know run five miles every week and whoever runs the most will get um, 500 tokens and each one of us is going to chip in you know 15 or 20 tokens you know in this in this part and whoever runs the most you know uh, wins the prize so we, we want to see people start to form these kinds of challenges. So this is a pretty comprehensive app that we are releasing and essentially want to uh, get people comfortable with um, uh, starting campaigns or competitions which they can participate in. And it's you know, it's controlled by them as opposed to you know, their employer or, or some insurance company. This is under their control. Um, and, and that and that version is coming out in, in the first week of June, so about a month from now. Interesting. I wonder. You said you know these people can earn or be winning some tokens if they win the challenge in the office. Now, how valuable are these tokens, and why should they care? Right. Uh, a lot of people will be thinking, well, you know, it's a virtual coin. What can I do with it? Can I buy my groceries with it? What's the so? How do you explain that to people? One of the things that we are doing as part of this um, upcoming release is give the ability to people to redeem those tokens for Amazon gift cards. 
So, you know, as, as soon as they accumulate enough tokens to get a $50 Amazon gift card, they can just, you know, from their wallet on the app, they can, uh, you know, ask to redeem their tokens and, and they would get a, a code back for an Amazon gift card. And then, of course, you could spend that on anything you want. The power of Amazon, I feel like it's just growing and growing. There's, yeah, some power there. It's interesting to see how that's going. And they're also getting to healthcare, right? With their, um, you know, talks with J.P. Morgan and uh, Berkshire Hathaway. So that should be yeah. interesting to definitely yeah, watch that. From what, from what we have seen, I think um, that relationship, or partnership between Amazon and Berkshire and uh, J.P. Morgan is likely to focus on insurance and payers. Um, but you know that's again if uh, if if companies like Amazon get into it, and at one point I think there was a there was talk about Amazon getting into um, pharmaceutical uh, you know, medicine and pharmaceutical uh, pharmacy business, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's a possibility as well. But again, all those things are great sort of uh, you know leading indicators for for this whole industry to kind of uh, revamp itself. This is the Health Unchained News Corner, and today's article is titled U.S. Insurance Giants, United Health Group, and Humana Launch Blockchain Pilot. And in this pilot, they're looking to develop, in cooperation with Multiplan and Quest Diagnostics, an actual system, a blockchain platform, that will examine how sharing data across healthcare organizations on blockchain technology can improve data accuracy, streamline administration, and improve access to care. So basically, they're looking at how can they reduce the cost of their data reconciliation, which they claim to be the main, you know, the key pain point that they're trying to solve, which according to one estimate costs as much as $2.1 billion in annual spending. This is quite interesting that they're working together on this. And now back to the interview with Raj Sharma, CEO of HealthWiz. One thing, uh, we kind of briefly men- mentioned this before, you talked about Create IoT and how their ability with wearables and how you thought that could be really important for your blockchain. But looking at it now, uh, looking at the landscape now, what kind of variables would you think about when looking at other blockchain companies or just companies in general? What do you think is you know, important? Is it the developers? Is it their marketing ability and brand? Or what's important... Um, right now for a company in the blockchain space, specifically in the healthcare arena? I, I think uh, most companies, including HealthWiz, would have this um, uh, problem or, 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 or a challenge to how do you make, you know, block the fact that you are using blockchain to do certain things. You know, in our case, you're using blockchain purely to to execute transactions as smart as part of smart contracts, the average user doesn't really want to know or care about you know that it's happening on blockchain or you know what it really means. Uh, so, for example, when I talked about redeeming your your uh, Amazon or your your tokens for Amazon gift certificate, that's all really the users care about. In the in the background, how that happens, they they, they could care less. So, you know, the challenge for us and 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 other companies as well, is how do we make this wallet that we have or the user interface overall of this application so easy to use? Like, for example, you know, um, Coinbase did an outstanding job with their wallet and bringing cryptocurrencies to the masses. Uh, You know, I don't know, 10 million, 15 million people have Coinbase accounts and wallets. I mean, and this happened literally in six months in 2017. Right. So, <laughs> it was an exciting summer. Yeah, many. that's the kind of user interface that we think. And, and in case of health, in fact, it may even have to be better than that just because, you know, if you look at Coinbase, my guess is that the average age uh, of Coinbase account holders is going to be, you know, less than 40 or, or, or 45. In case of healthcare, um, the user interface has to appeal to a much, much wider demographic, including people about 65, all the way to you know people who are 21 and below. So that, that it's really a challenge uh, to have a user interface that uh, that you know attracts everyone. But 
you know, there are precedents. The people have done this very, very successful. I mean, today, Waze, for example, everybody uses Waze. Um, doesn't matter what the age is. And, and you know, the, in fact, you know, every afternoon around 4.30 or 5, Waze starts telling me how traffic is going home. Right? And he knows that that's the time I leave my office. And, you know, we, we want to sort of bring some of the same principles into healthcare. So, for example, if I was with my phone, I was in a hospital, uh, not visiting someone, but I was there for a couple of days. You know, the application should know that I, I was probably there because I was, it was, you know, I was undergoing something. And, you know, when I leave the hospital, it should, the application should ask me, hey, you just, you're just leaving this hospital. Do you want to download your medical records? You know, as as you're being discharged, right. and it's and I should just be able to say yes, and I should go and get the medical records of my phone. It it can be done, and and you know when you do things like that, the age won't really matter at that point. You know whether it is a 25 year old or a 65 year old. Uh, you know this is this is a value or a utility that you're providing that would be attractive for any age. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if it's easy to use and it provides value, like you're saying, why? not use it it's kind of a no-brainer but it really depends there's a lot of companies as we said that are out there are in the white paper you were talking about how they were interesting and you might be adopting them to some level um i'm speaking of uport Chainpoint, and status im do you want to talk a little bit about them and why you find them interesting so i i will i can talk about uport a little bit i'm you know, we, we, we might have mentioned some of the others. I'm not that familiar with uh, with the others, but I know that the identity management is going to be a pretty uh, pr- pretty important thing when it comes to healthcare. So, for example, you know, if a pharmaceutical wants to buy or, or wants, you know, thousand people to participate in a clinical trial, uh, they want to, you know, the pharmaceutical company might want to... Um, you know, verify the identity of these thousand participants. Um, are they in the age group that they said they were? Are they? Do they have these conditions? So, and 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 some of the health records actually might become part of an individual's identity. So that's the reason why Uport is is an interesting uh, platform for us to to partner with uh, from a from an identity management standpoint. And so, you know, there may be some parts of your identity that may or may not be related to your health. So for example, you, know, you might have your driver's license as part of your identity, or you might have um, you know, your passport as part of your identity, uh, not necessarily connected with uh, health records per se, but somebody who's buying data from you might want, you know, not, might want to verify that uh, you, know, you are a US citizen, you are, um, you, know, you, have, you, you are a driver in the state of Virginia, and you know, you're between the age of 55 and 60, and you have type 2 diabetes, uh, because that's what is required as part of this clinical trial. So, you know, part of the identity might come from Newport, and, and some parts of the identity might come from the health records itself. So that's how we are looking at leveraging Newport, so in conjunction with what we are doing. I'm sure, you know, you guys have been really busy working on this project and talking to many types of people who would like to be participating in this company. What's your initial reaction or what kind of like attention are you getting or has it been just a wild ride? Like what's your experience been like as you're traveling around? So, you know, when we talk to potential users, the, the, um, the, uh, reaction is usually very, very positive, right? They didn't, did because this has not been possible before, uh, they just think that having your sort of health, you know, health records on your phone with, with you wherever you go, has, you know, it's great. They want to get organized. If they can get their last five years lab reports on their phone or their medication list on their phone, so that next time when they go to a doctor, they don't have to write anything down. They can just show that the the medication they are taking on their phone very appealing, very, very, you know, attractive for, for a lot of people. The reaction that we get from potential investors, on the other hand, is, is very different because they, number one, this is uh, because we are a consumer play, you know, they, they want to know how many users do we have, 
and you know uh, we have you know we have barely released the app. In fact, we have released the app in the first week of June. Um, so you know that's a tough thing for a traditional investor to overcome. Um, that you know we you know this application is still uh, de being developed and is going to be available in a month or two, right? So that's that's a big hurdle for them to to cross. The other thing is um, you know the business model and monetization. Uh, so people. Investors would ask, "Well, how do you plan to make money?" Right, a natural question for for any investor, and and they make an assumption that HealthWiz is going to monetize users' data, and for us, that's a big no-no, and and also it creates, you know, from an investor perspective, it creates lots of question marks. But you know, it's it's a fundamental sort of thing that you signed up for is that we are not going to monetize users' data, we're going to let users monetize their own data. So for example, you know, we don't touch, we don't see users' data. The user conducts a transaction directly with somebody who's interested in their data. Um, we potentially make the match and, and, and get out of the way, uh, but then you know, the transaction is happening peer-to-peer -peer on a blockchain. And again, that's one of the things that attracted us to blockchain is that we don't have to now take on the responsibility of being a trusted third party who's going to take data from A and then make it available to B, and then B is going to pay us, and then we are going to pay you know the A. So we didn't want to be in that in that position. So so naturally, you know, if we are not going to monetize, if we, if we don't even see this data, if we don't monetize it. How are we going to make money? And so that's a, that's another big hurdle for for investors to overcome when we talk to them, and and you know our response is uh, look if we have users who are downloading the application and engaging with the application, and if they have you know aggregated their medical records, then people who want to buy that data will come, but it's not uh, but it's going to happen in that you know in that fashion that users will first have to engage with the app, start collecting their data, and then people who want to buy the data will, will be there. So um, yeah, but the so you're saying the people who are buying the data, they're going to be paying them paying directly to the patients, for example, or the consumers. So in essence what so the question could be how does HealthWiz potentially make money out of that deal because they're not participating in the deal. Right? Or will they, they're facilitating the deal for sure, but technically they don't get a cut. That's, I think people are failing to understand the, the difference in how tokenomics, how it will work in the future potentially versus how our um, current marketplaces work today. I think, can you explain that maybe a little bit like? No, so that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. And that's, that's exactly, you know, where some of the, um, I guess some of the uh, initial thinking, you know, has to has to really sink in, which is that you know, how do we, if if we are not going to make money and we are not going to be in the in the middle of the transaction, you know, how how are we going to make money? So, and by the way, our token is actually the token that we we are releasing along with the application really doesn't appreciate in value because as soon as somebody accumulates fifty dollars worth of tokens. They can immediately, you know, go and get an Amazon gift card, and so you know that tokenomics is going to stay pretty stable, um, you know, for a long, long, long time. In fact, it may never uh, the, the token uh, value of the token may never never appreciate. So you know, it's a fair and valid question. But I, I think the the way to sort of differentiate or, or to answer that question is today, Facebook and Google make money on our data, they, they monetize our data, and they keep essentially 100% of the proceeds. We don't get anything, although we are the product that they're selling. Now, in our case, yes, the data goes directly from the user to the, to the, to the buyers of the data, and, and we don't make money on the transaction, but we do want to make money on making that match, and, and we would charge the people who are buying the data. So if it's a pharmaceutical company, if it's um, a clinical research organization like a CRO, 
you know, any other research organization, then, you know, we will charge them money because we made data of thousand users available to them. And so we would charge a fee to them. Um, so are we, are we essentially monetizing users' data? We are, but in a very, very indirect way with a lot of control to the, given to the user. And, and maybe this becomes more like a, you know, the real estate broker model where, you know, when you sell a house, you get the full price of the house. The broker, the brokers get whatever, four or 6%, uh, you know, which is reasonable for their effort. Um, in case of Facebook and Google, they are the brokers, but they keep 100% of the proceeds. Hmm. And, and what hmm. you're saying is that this model needs to be turned upside down where the user should keep most of the money. And the people who are in the middle, uh, even if they're matchmakers, they should keep a you know minimum four or five percent, but the majority of the proceeds proceeds should go to the user. So that's the model we think is is what is going to unfold. Very interesting. So tell me about the roadmap. What's what's ahead for you guys now? What's the next step? So one of the things that's happening in the healthcare industry, there is a new standard called FIRE, Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resources. Right, yeah. And you might have heard of it. it it's supposed to be the, um, you, know, you know, people have talked about lack of interoperability in healthcare for a long time. And FIRE, uh, and, and there is a sort of a adjacent standard called SMART. I forget what the acronym stands for, but SMART, essentially are applications that are reusable. So you can make a, a smart application run on Epic, which is an EHR. You can essentially take the same application and run it on, on server uh, as a smart application. And so smart and fire are sort of, you know, adjacent applications and, and they will open up uh, the, uh, the world of healthcare and, and and actually address the interoperability problem. So that's something that, um, so today, when people download their medical records, they may be in, in a format that that is not going to be helpful um, in, in all the cases. So for example, if it's your lab report that's in PDF format, it's gonna be useful, but you won't be able to do any search and analysis on a PDF file, for example. Now, if you have a process in your application that takes that PDF file and converts it into a standard right. um, file, all of a sudden the data now becomes interoperable. So that's some of those, those are some of the things that we'll keep adding to our application is take any format, whether it is PDF or XML or whatever format, uh, is available to the user to download from the um, you know from electronic health record or patient portals. We will then apply our algorithms, convert it into a standard, uh, into data that can be accessed using this FIRE standard, so that anyone can access it and then analyze it for machine learning and AI relatively easily because of the standard. So that's a big thing that um, you know we'll be adding. Um, there are some other things that we have to do for scalability, um, especially when it comes to the database itself that's going to be resident on the mobile phone. So we are going to uh, add some features to the application that will make it infinitely scalable. Um, you know, not, not just to thousands of people, but millions of users. So that's a big, uh, that's a big initiative that we are taking on as well. So in terms of like the next year and next the year after that, what's do you have a uh, milestones that you're trying to achieve at this point? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So these are some of the things, you know, sort of big initiatives and then we take those and, and, and break it up into uh, into milestones so that we can like fire the whole fire initiative is going to be, you know, sort of a multi month initiative, you know, we'll we'll take um, certain amount of fire resources and, and standardize them that you know we'll add because you know the whole fire the, the number of resources are just tremendous and so you know in terms of quantity so we'll add them as we go along. Right, it's basically every single element that can be recorded on an EHR can be converted into a, 
um, something you could pull from their APIs. This has been a very interesting and insightful conversation. There's a lot more we could talk about, I'm sure. Um, is there any some like final thoughts you had you want to kind of share with the audience, maybe questions I might have missed? I think that, to me, you know, there are sort of three big tidal waves, I guess. I, I call them, you know, three big um, tsunamis that are that are occurring, that are happening uh, in, in healthcare, which we think are, are um, creating this environment where lots of innovations, not just from healthways, but all around, there'll be so many so many companies, so many startups that are just going to completely revolutionize the uh, the healthcare industry. So, I, you know, one of them is this whole um, awareness that consumers finally are getting that, you know, it's important to take control of their data, the health data. And of course, you know, the Facebook testimony by um, Mark Zuckerberg helps a lot because now people are starting to realize that you know, unless they take charge, unless they take control of their health records or the data in general, somebody else will, right? So I think people are starting to get the point that it's important to get get our, get their health records under their control. And that's a big thing because then, you know, the overall, the quality of care that they get improves, they can shop around for, you know, for better quality of care at a lower price, which, you know, they were never uh, able to do before. So having that health data uh, with them is, is really, really key. And I think people are waking up to that. So that's number one. Uh, number two is the is all the um, things that the uh, Department of Health and Human Services, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services is doing, saying that, look, you know, the, the, your health records have been imprisoned in electronic health record systems for too long. You need to make it open. We need to make it as easy as when somebody is flying, their airline, you know, you, you know exactly if the flight is going to be delayed or not. Um, you know, you, you know what all the things that, and all the details surrounding the flight, you know, using your mobile app. Why can't we do the same thing for your, you know, for your, for your health, health records? So fire, you know, smart, all these standards and, and all these mandates, the 21st Century Cures Act, all these things are converging together to, to really open up the, the whole electronic health record uh, system that we have in place. And then finally, the third one is really the technology. I think um, you know, what you can do today on mobile phones and the user interface that you can provide along with blockchain and all the things that are possible in terms of creating a marketplace where you can bring buyers of data and sellers of data and they can execute transactions in a secure way um, you know, so these things are all are coming together as well. So those three things, I feel like, are really going to change the healthcare system as we know today. And, and that's, I think, very exciting. And, and there are lots of opportunities for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you're totally right. And bringing that awareness to people is the first step. And, you know, hopefully with this podcast, I'll be able to reach people. You know, and the first time I actually heard about HealthWiz was actually at Consensus, which is uh, the conference, blockchain conference. I was in New York City, and I know that HealthWiz was actually a participant in one of the competitions. Are you guys planning to be at uh, Consensus this year? Uh, we'll be, we will be attending this okay. time. Very cool. And, uh, you know, one of the things that um, happened at that, uh, so we, we presented our, our idea at, uh, at Consensus 2018. And this was, you know, one year back, and it was really hard for people to to digest the fact that this was even possible just because, you know, how our healthcare system has been. The, the fact, you know, people said, if you are able to do this, this is the holy grail. Everybody wants um, their medical records aggregated, right? And if you can do that, that's like the holy grail. And today, and I'm not saying just because of health risk, but because of all the mandates and everything else that's in place. I mean, this is reality. Today, you know, I can, I have a sort of a pre-release version. I have my lab reports from last two years. I have my doctor's reports from last two years. I have my medication list on my on my phone, and you know I was able to aggregate that with relatively with relative ease. So it's it's happening. That's awesome. Looking forward to the app and the release, and also you know would like to catch up with you next time when you start growing, and I'd like to see how things are changing. Well, thank you, Ray. I really enjoyed it. And thank you, listeners. I uh, hope you enjoyed this show. 
This is a really exciting time and we hope that you all get involved in the community. So thank you very much. Hey all you cyberpunk health warriors and nimble digital disruptors. Check out healthunchained.org and remember to subscribe to Health Unchained on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes. Join the Health Unchained community on our Telegram group, t.me slash healthunchained. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends, your bosses, your teams, your students to listen and subscribe. Thank you.